Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. A Saturday night get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. No, we're all over the NFL playoffs, but the NBA is getting through their season, or at least they were until this week. Some major breakouts with COVID-19, but they're still playing. Some teams a little shorthanded, but we're about two and a half weeks in, and I want to get the early pulse on the season from one of the guys who covers it uh, day in and day out, one of the best in the business. He does so for NBCSports.com, the managing editor for their NBA coverage. Kurt Heelan joins me on CBS Sports Radio. Kurt, how was your New Year, bud? I think like a lot of people, it's pretty mellow, but it was fine, man. You know, it was... I don't think my kids ever want to spend New Year's with me and, and their mom again. But, you know, <laughs> so it goes. Been there, done that, only for different reasons. Uh, yes, understanding <laughs> the COVID world in which we're living is not what we're used to. And it's a COVID world in which the NBA is living these days. And the last couple of days, things have gotten a little dicey. The 76ers had to play a game today with only seven guys, only one of which was uh, from their starting five. And they got it handed to them pretty good by Denver today. Uh, I I do shows in Philly, so I got a lot of Philly followers on Twitter. And uh, all of them were complaining that there's no way this game should have been played. Was it played purely because the protocols are in place and the protocols said the 76ers had enough guys to field the team so they had to? Sort of essentially, yeah. Look, they, to be honest with you, and Sixer fans aren't going to love this, they were pitching to shut this thing down before they announced that, by the way, oh, we're not playing Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons because they're kind of hurt. Like, they were both active on the roster, able to go guys until the last minute. I think that they were looking to rest those guys anyway, and now we're trying to find a way to like postpone the game. I think that that was a part of what was going on. Um, that said, they were even if those guys had played, I mean, they didn't have that many guys. They were they're very shorthanded. Boston's very shorthanded. Dallas is very shorthanded. I think the protocols are in place, and the league is going to press forward with these games as much as they can. Uh, they, they just look. They and the players' union sat down and said, "All right, we're going to do this, and there's going to be some bumps." And I think that they're just willing to accept that these are the these are the kind of ugly games, or you know, Denver Broncos without a quarterback games that are that are just going to happen because of this because of how they've decided to set this up. And I think they're doing the best that they could. I gave the NFL yeah. a lot of credit this year. They had games that they had to move and postpone, but they didn't yep. cancel a game. They got all 16 games in for all 32 teams. So they accomplished their goal 
is the NBA trying to do the same? It's very early in the season, so if they need to postpone games, will they postpone games and have to deal with it schedule-wise between now and when the season is at least on paper supposed to end? Exactly, and look, there, there, so far there's only been one postponed game, the, the Houston OKC game from very, you know, very early in the season. But that's why they only released half the schedule. <laughs> Remember, there's a whole back half of the schedule that is unreleased, and the reason is that they figure they're going to have to fill in some games. Um, are all 30 teams going to play 72? Uh, I don't know. I don't know that you're going to get if I, I don't. You know, let's see. What we'll use Oklahoma City since they're not likely to be in the playoff mix. If Oklahoma City is short a game and they're going to play some other team that's out of the playoffs and they're having problems. Like, if it's, you know, end of the season, these teams are out of it, maybe we're not going to play it type of moments could happen. But for the meaningful games, they're going to try to get them all in. And they, I think that this week has been a sign that they're going to find a way to push through. Um, even if it means, I think that they would be more likely to go back and think about expanding rosters before they'll, before they'll change the season. Wow, I didn't uh, see that one coming. Don't they already have expanded rosters? Yes. Will it just mean that many more G League players in the NBA? Basically, yeah. I, but I, I mean, I don't. I don't think they're going to go there. What they did was basically make the two way guys who had you know could only spend forty five days with the team before can now play in up to fifty games. So and and the days don't matter. So like it's, you have essentially made a seventeen man roster. Um, and I think you're going to see some ability to see. the problem with subbing guys in and out quickly is just it's not like I can pick a guy up unless they're coming right out of that G League bubble. I can't just pick a guy up off the street and throw him on the court the next night. He's going to have to quarantine and go through the process. I can't just this, this is why some teams had pushed for like 20 man rosters. Just they wanted the depth and the ability um, to do this. They're not going to get that. But I think that doing something like that is still more likely than them <laughs> canceling the season. I don't think anything is. I think they're just going to plow through and find a way to make it work, kind of like the NFL did, kind of like Major League Baseball did. There's, they knew that there were going to be hiccups and a lot of positive tests once they had agreed to play in home arenas and fly around the, fly around the country. It's, it was inevitable. Fair enough. We're talking to Kurt Heelan, managing editor for uh, NBA for NBCSports.com, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, if you know, because I probably should know and I don't know for sure, uh, uh, I get calls all the time about when the virus came out, well, all the sports teams going to get it. Do they move to the front of the line? Are they going to be getting it before frontline workers? And the like I said, I don't know, but... When you have the ability to uh, purchase things like that and you're a multi-billion yeah. dollar business, it makes it uh, put you in a specific spot in the line. Where is the NBA at with its players getting the uh, vaccine? Uh, we've seen a spike, as I said, certainly the last couple yeah. of days, if not a week or so. Uh, where are they at as far as when all their players will be vaccinated? There's a few questions. There's two parts to that. First off, yes. they are really, really conscious. Going back to remember last year when this first came up and there was players are getting tested. Why are these guys getting tested so fast when, you know, frontline workers can't get tested and people in hospitals are waiting? How are players getting tested? That blowback, which was, by the way, legitimate, that PR hit got to the league. And they are very, very public, <laughs> publicly and off the record 
Nobody is going to jump in the line here. They are going to get it when they should get it, which for, look, a healthy mid-20s player who's your average NBA guy, there is actually, I want to say this, I don't know that there's anybody in the NBA who's not going to be in pretty much the bottom tier of getting this, right? And that is, they are very conscious of that. They are working now on an education program to get players to take it. They don't want to make this mandatory, but they've got to find a way to get players to take it and just like in the general population right now, there's a lot of guys who are like would be in line tomorrow, but there's some real skeptical people about getting this vaccine as well. Um, and there's a there's certainly both legitimate and and extensive um, hesitancy with virus uh, with with I should say with um, vaccines in general within the African American community. So um, they're working on it, but they're not going to jump the line. Their hope is to have it, you know. Spring, I guess, is we know when when everybody's available. When it becomes available to everybody, then they can use their leverage and that money. But you are you are correct about that. Once they are not jumping the line, they'll use that money to to make sure all those guys get it. And the hope is that they'll all have it for end of the season and playoffs. By the time they make the playoff run, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. Uh, Trying to put COVID aside, which I know is a very difficult thing to do, but we all have to try and do it two and a half weeks into the season. What surprises you most? It is really hard to get a read on teams because of the shorts. I mean, you're seeing a lot of blowouts, right? You're seeing blown leads. You're seeing you know, some, some, some odd scores. It's a little harder to get reads on teams, I think, just because this is Teams are still coming off an extended preseason. They did not get guys into camp. Guys didn't necessarily, uh, a few guys, Luca and, and um, others, didn't come in in peak shape. Um, that's You're starting to get a better feel for things right now. What I would say is right now it still remains the Lakers on their own tier. I don't, I, they have played, they lost the other, you know, the other last night, but they generally have played really well. They've got still got LeBron James and Anthony Davis, man. They're going to figure like nobody's questioning that. And there's moments that where you see a fastball from other teams, like Brooklyn. Those had a few games. You're like, yes, that team. The Clippers have had moments like that, but those teams have also stumbled. And it's really just hard to figure out exactly where these teams are. Um, there's been some really entertaining games and some Steph Curry stuff, but it's really hard to get a read on exactly where teams are yet. We're just, I think I'm just starting to get a sense of where the tiers are. The thing that has been most predictable for me is the teams that we thought weren't going to be real good really haven't been real good. Uh, Wizards, Raptors, <laughs> Pistons, a couple yeah, teams that you uh, knew were going to be below 500 before the I year thought, started. I thought the Raptors would be better than this. They've, uh, they, they, I mean, they lost guys, but they still had Fred Van Fleet and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. And, like, they, I, thought, I thought they would be better than this. They're, they've been dreadful. And Washington, by the way, every time Washington loses, I'm telling you, the league, the league GM vultures are circling that team, waiting for the Bradley Beal and anybody else who they might like. If they're, they're teams are waiting for that because there's no free agents. And I want to say no. They, all the elite free agents are pretty much that we're going to be in next year's class that everybody was saving cash for. Giannis Antetokounmpo and Paul George and, and LeBron James, Anthony Davis, all that signed. None of them are free agents. If you're going to make us, if you're going to get a star, you're going to get James Harden, or you're going to have to find somebody else to trade for. And they're all watching Bradley Beal right now. The reason why I thought the Raptors were going to be bad, and I can say that because I've said it on the air before. Not only did they lose Casal and Ibaka, 
they're yeah. playing the entire season on the road. Yeah. Because, yeah. of course, no games in uh, Toronto, so they are the Tampa Raptors this year. And uh, I saw, uh, I think it was the Knicks played down there once in their not quite full-blown NBA arena. I thought it was <laughs> going to be a little bit uh, much for the Raptors to have to try and handle. All right, um, rookies. It was kind of a late NBA draft because of the coronavirus and everything else, so we didn't get a chance to really think about how guys were going to fit with their new teams. They were kind of thrown in to the mix. Yeah. So I didn't know what we were going to get out of rookies this year. A couple of guys have opened my eyes. Who's opened yours? The guy nobody's seeing that's arguably to me been the best rookie is Tyrese Halliburton out in Sacramento. He is that guy is mature. He knows how to play the game. He's using the pick and roll. He might be their best guard. And they've got they, or pushing I mean, they've got De'Aaron Fox, but Tyrese Halliburton's been really good this year as a rookie and stepped in playing key minutes for them, a guy who's just ready to go. Um, after that, I, Anthony Edwards is going to be a beast, but he, he's an offensive force, but his defense is there, and he's still young, making odd decisions. Lonzo, LaMelo Ball is putting up numbers, but he's still, you know, the shots going down from three, if you get him inside the arc or get him to try to finish at the rim, it's less impressive. Uh, defense is still an issue. James Wiseman, is getting some key minutes in, in Golden State. It's the same thing. What a physical talent. What a, what a potential he is. But he looks like a guy who played three games in college half the time. He's, he's a chicken with his head cut off on defense a lot of the time. And, and that how much those guys can improve over the course of the season is going to be interesting to watch. Let me ask you about two rookies who actually both have done well because I got in arguments with them in Philadelphia. Um, I was a fan of Peyton Pritchard coming out of oh, uh, yeah. Pac-12. And he went way further down than I thought. I said I thought he'd be a good pick for the Sixers at 22, where they took Tyrese Maxey, who, oh, by the way, has been playing well, was forced to log about 30-some-odd minutes today because of all the COVID absentee and scored 39 points for the Sixers. So both of the rookies are playing well, and I would have both of those guys in my top five as of right now, despite the fact neither one of them was taken in the first 20 picks. Pritchard has done such a great job of fitting right in with that Boston system. And I don't know they're going to be without Tatum now for at least 10 days, but they need role players, right? Like they've got stars. They've got Tatum. They've got Brown. There's other questions. He is just that constant hustle, that ability to hit threes and just kind of dogged determination that Pritchard brings is just a great – he's got – like I think there's 29 other coaches who would like that guy on the team. He's <laughs> – he plays smart. He plays hard. He's been fantastic. And, yeah, Tyrese Maxey's got a lot of potential. And it's another team where he's not getting the touches he might normally get because, you know, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and, and you know, uh, and um, Tobias Harris and all these – you know, look, there's a lot of guys ahead of him on the pecking order. But he's got a lot of potential to put up numbers, and, and, and we saw that today. No, you uh, just wrote an article about the uh, Clippers. You're out there in L.A., and they blew yep. that big lead to uh, the Warriors. Yes, Steph Curry went nuts, which Steph Curry is capable of doing, but that's yep. kind of been what the Clippers have been so far, hit or miss. When they play well, they look great like a championship contender. When they don't, they look like a team that can get picked off in the playoffs just like they did last year. Where are the Clippers at? Now, I guess it's not just all change the coach and everything will be hunky-dory. No, change the coach, and they, and they, you know, look, I think that playoff-wise, 
switching out Serge Ibaka, bringing in Serge Ibaka, letting uh, Montrez Harrell go. Like, he's just going to be better for them in the playoffs. And like I said, this is a team that has shown a fastball, right? Like you have seen moments where you, exactly you're like, yeah, that team can contend, but they're not bringing it consistently. Their bench has been an issue. Um, <clears throat> it was again last night. And I don't know. I'm really curious to see what kind of moves. I think that they're, they believe they're close. And I think they're going to be really aggressive at the deadline. Um, Lou Williams has just not played that well for them. And I think that they see him as movable. There's teams that could use him just to, you put him in the right situation. He's still just going to light it up. Um, maybe a little bit empty calories, but he can light it up. And there's teams that might want that right now. They need, they need some depth. They need some wings. Uh, they need some de- or, de- or depth and defense. And I'm curious what moves they make because, uh, I think they're close, but then there's times you watch them like last night where you're like, just, they're just not quite there yet. And it, look, I love, I don't want to take anything away from Ty Lu, but it's not like Doc Rivers forgot how to coach. It's just, it might have been time for a new voice in the locker room, but I don't think the strategy was the big problem there. NBA insider Kurt Hill and our guest from NBC Sports here on CBS Sports Radio. Um, it's great that you brought up uh, Lou Williams because that will allow me to get to two other guys who I kind of think of when I think of Lou Williams, who was a complete non-factor for me in the bubble last year for varying reasons. Yeah. Um, one guy who was phenomenal in the bubble, shoot, he might have been the MVP of the bubble, was Jamal Murray. He raised his profile so much, it seemed like every shot he took went in, even bad shots. I, did he really yeah. try that shot? Boom, nothing but net. He's gotten off to a slow start this year. Was uh, was it a flash in the bubble, or is there some other explanation why Jamal hasn't picked up where he left off last year? Yeah, he has just not been the same player at all, and he got paid to be the same player. They've now paid him to be the co-anchor, and I don't know if it's the short turnaround with him or what, but I, I they definitely need a whole lot more out of him. He's... he's um, you know, he he watched. I watched a bunch of the games today, and he just he wasn't hitting shots. He seemed to be playing with low energy um, for large stretches. And he can kind of flip the switch for a while, but you do not want to become a flip the switch kind of guy. But yeah, he was phenomenal in the bubble. He has not been that. And if Denver's going to go anywhere, I mean, if Denver's another one of those teams where you're like, they haven't really shown greatness this season, but you know, they've had moments. We made the conference finals last year, and you're like, if that's going to happen, it's because. Jamal Murray is playing at an all-NBA level, and he hasn't been anywhere near that yet. And another guy I kind of tied to Lou Williams because he had bubble issues, unlike Jamal, who uh, raised his game in the bubble. Kyrie Irving didn't even bother. He opted out and uh, started the new year with he and Kevin Durant in Brooklyn. Uh, They're much like the Clippers. When they're on and they're playing well, you go, damn, this is an NBA championship contender. But Kyrie continues to have his issues. He's been away from the team for several days with, to at least my knowledge so far, unexplained issues. Although there's been some rampant speculation out there, it's still unexplained. If you are Steve Nash, first-time coach in the NBA, and your lead guy just doesn't show up from time to time, how does he handle something like this? I I don't know. Uh, The Nets have built a culture... When they, when they when they brought in those two guys and then by the way fired you know Kenny Atkinson because Kenny Atkinson was demanding things of, of players and, and and the rotations and the, what he wanted to do that 
Kenny Atkinson comes out of that Spurs system. They want that egalitarian, everybody share the ball, you know, no glory. The Warriors have some of that. Um, wasn't, that's not what the, that's not what the, uh, the Nets are. And I think, I don't know quite how you handle that other than you've got to be, hey, I'm the former player. I get it. I understand what you're going through. I, um, type of thing with Kyrie, and you've got to get him and Durant to show up when it matters. Um, and by the way, show up enough during the regular season that you're not you're not putting yourself in for a brutal first round matchup, right? Like he, he, he was, you you need to find a way somewhere near the top of that East so you get a slightly softer home court matchup in the first round because it you know, the top of the East is pretty good, and you you know if you've got to face somebody really good in the first round and battle through three rounds of it, that's that's asking a lot. So I'm curious what he does. I I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how you handle Kyrie. There's a, I, he would be one of the harder players to coach personality-wise in the league. But his talent's undeniable, and if they're going to win, they're all in on him. I mean, they're not trading him for James Harden. This, this, is, this is what it is. First two games, I watched the Nets play. Both of their first two games, because I was doing a week in New York, and I said, damn, Kyrie looks like an MVP candidate to me. To me. Yeah. But then Kyrie went back to being Kyrie, which is something the Nets are going to have to deal with all year long. I know he's Honestly, from another planet. I don't know what planet it is. I know it's flat, but maybe the uh, Nets can figure it out at some time out there. In at Brooklyn. some point, Kevin Durant's got to be the other guy. who gets, As much as you can talk about Steve Nash doing this, that, or the other thing, Players lead the locker room, man. <laughs> Kevin Durant, that's Kevin Durant's team. Kevin Durant has to be the guy who calls him out. We'll see. Publicly or privately. We'll, yeah, uh, yeah. If it happens publicly, we'll all know. If it happens privately, we won't, but I, we'll. Publicly would not be Kevin Durant's style in this Yeah, case, there you go. We'll exactly see. right. All right. This is uh, the first time I'm going to ask you this question. Guaranteed I will ask you it the next time you're on <laughs> and the time after that and the time after that. As of right now, 10, 11, 12 games most anybody's played so far. We're, oh, about a seventh of the way into the season. If the season were to end, who would be the MVP of the NBA right now? Oof. Um, To be honest with you, I haven't given a ton of thought to that. Probably Joel Embiid off the top of my head. He has been phenomenal on both ends. And um, they're, what, 8-2 and now? And he didn't play today. Um, And I don't know how much time he's going to miss with quarantine. But... um, He's been right there. The other guy, even though Denver struggled, Nikola Jokic has been yeah. <laughs> absolutely out of his mind. Uh, but I think there will be others. Um, those two guys in Los Angeles, the Lakers team players, um, I think it's LeBron and Anthony Davis, I think that's their names. They're pretty yeah. good. Um, and, there, and there will be others. I, I'm probably forgetting a couple off the top. No, never a bad idea to mention that James guy. He's always a pretty good candidate. Nah. He doesn't win many MVPs, but he's always in the conversation. Yeah. And, yes, he, yeah. I would I, I would go Joel I, 1, LeBron 2 right now. Yeah, they, they they would absolutely both be up there, yeah. And uh, I, I don't. this is the first year in a long time I probably – James Harden didn't come to mind really early, but, you know. Well, he's gonna. I I think at some point the Rockets will be able to pull a, a deal for him, and he will be somewhere Probably. else trying to get a team into a playoff push, and that will either improve or uh, hurt his MVP chances. Kurt, great stuff. We appreciate the uh, time. Whenever you hop on, thanks much. Oh, I will ask you that MVP question the many times we will have you on during the course of the NBA season. So be uh, ready for it. You know it's coming next time. I will. I will be ready. Thanks. My pleasure. That is Kurt Halen from NBCSports.com, their NBA insider, managing editor, giving us all the NBA insight we can handle. 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.